Hey there, freaks. How are we all doing out there? Hope you're all having a great week. If you're in the United States, I know it's a bit hectic here. But come in. Come into the rabbit hole recap and lose yourself for a few hours, for a couple hours, for an hour maybe. However long this episode goes. Matthew, what'd you just pop? Oban, Little Bay, single malt scotch whiskey. I am uh, in the Caribbean right now, so I'm drinking a, a dark and stormy, a rum drink. Using Pusser's rum. It's very good dark rum. Official rum of the British Navy, if I understand correctly. What is it with the British Navy? What's its relation? It says British Navy, Pusser's rum, original Admiralty rum. Cool. Admiralty? Admiralty. Can't speak. You freaks know that already. What a week. Conflicting, uh, conflicting vibes with the uh, the election and the uh, the unofficial or the official winner of the election not being officially announced yet. Uh, but we also have Bitcoin pumping at the same time. Let's just jump right into it. According to Clark Moody's dashboard, the pr- wait, Bitcoin's pumping. Uh-oh. Marty's just staring at me. Are you there? I'm I'm here, Marty. Did I lose you I for a little you. bit? I'm going to turn my camera off, uh, just in case. It's bandwidth. I was asking you about Bitcoin pumping. I didn't realize it was pumping. Oh right yeah, now. dude. Uh, the price has been going up a little bit today. We're currently sitting at fourteen thousand nine hundred and six dollars. Uh, Ooh, one dollar does not go as far as it did last week. You're only get six thousand seven hundred eleven sats right now, according to Clark's dashboard. Can't believe you haven't been paying attention. Well, it was really hard not to notice since I have my new block clock right behind yeah, me, the- constantly updating me with the price. Block clock price is fourteen thousand nine hundred eighteen dollars. Is that an eight at the end there? The uh, fourteen thousand nine hundred ten. Clark in the clock pulling from. And it's fucking uh, slick as fuck, dude. It uh, it can pull any stat from Clark Moody's dashboard. Uh-oh. I'm having bandwidth issues. Are you good? I'm good. I think it's got to be on your side, right? turn my camera off. Um, and I'll turn mine off, too. Maybe that'll help. I got out of Slack, too, which takes up a lot of bandwidth. Um, yeah. We'll get off of Slack, this bro. week. What's causing the pump? Who knows? I wrote about it in the Ben today. Maybe maybe this election uh, uncertainty is is starting to... Uh, awaken people in the international markets that wow maybe the the government behind the world reserve currency doesn't have their shit together they can't even do an election in a timely manner can they maintain the the efficacy of the u.s dollar as the reserve currency of the world maybe that's why bitcoin's pumping probably not though there's just probably more well i mean all assets are pumping right but bitcoin's pumping hardest yes i believe so i don't think the altcoins are pumping especially in bitcoin terms right no i mean like like stonks are pumping, especially like tech stocks. But Bitcoin's pumping the hardest. Yeah. Oh, this connection issue is bad right now. What did you just say? It's that just that Bitcoin's pumping the hardest. Yes. Um, it's weird because I feel like I could hear you still, but I guess you can't hear me some of those times. 
but all I hear is like keyboard clicks. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully we're done with it. Let's keep going through the dashboard. Uh, one Bitcoin is going to get you 6.7 ounces of gold. Bitcoin has grown to 2.2% of the overall gold market cap. Actually, just saw an interesting tweet. Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin network total market cap, which is currently 276.4 billion, according to Clark's dashboard, uh, passed PayPal's overall market value, uh, which is pretty interesting. Bitcoin is now bigger than PayPal. Uh, we're at block height 655,563. Uh, there are 18,534,694.15 Bitcoin on the market right now. Uh, the U.S. government sees some some of those Bitcoin today. We'll get into that later. Interesting story just dropped right before we hit record. Uh, moving on, we had a downward difficulty adjustment earlier this week. We're going to talk about that as well, but uh, it happened at 363 blocks ago, and it was a negative adjustment of 16%. I believe the second largest downward adjustment uh, in the ASIC era, which is pretty massive. Uh, blocks were coming in 11 minutes, 45 seconds before the adjustment. They're currently coming in about 9 minutes and 37 seconds. And as of right now, 1,653 blocks away from the next retarget. Uh, it looks like it's going to be an upward difficulty adjustment around 4%, and that's estimated to happen on November 19th of this year. Uh, we're going to go to mempool.space to get some mempool stats here. Very smooth um, mempool website. Shout out to our friends Wiz uh, and others working on that site right now. If you're trying to get a transaction included in the next block, if it's a high priority, uh, you're going to have to pay about 310 sats per byte or $6.45 in U.S. dollar terms. If you have a medium priority, you're willing to wait a little bit, a couple hours, a few hours, uh, mempool.space is recommending you send uh, a transaction uh, with 291 sats per byte attached or about $6. And if you have really low time preference, you're willing to wait a few days, uh, still pretty high, 273 sats per byte or $5.68. Uh, there are currently 62,780 transactions in the mempool.space mempool. Size is 118 megabytes. And the next... What did we get down to when the difficulty adjusted? I think we cleared the mempool like down to like six sats per byte or something I like that. I believe so. And you should be able to see this um, on mempool. I wish I knew how to. It's pretty crazy that that it's the you know our difficulty adjusted down so hard, and we still have so much uh, fee volume there. I mean, it's great to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got down to six sats per byte. Yes, that was possible. So that difficulty adjusted down 16%, a little over 16%, which is the second largest difficulty adjustment we've ever had. Yeah. And the last one, was the, the one that was bigger than that was like 2011. Yeah, before the A6 even arrived. So this is a pretty significant downward difficulty adjustment. Um good thing for miners who were able to plug in after the adjustment and somebody hopped in uh the mentions of last week's episode on twitter and made a very good point we matt and i discussed uh the fact that chinese miners who had unplugged from their hydroelectric dam 
power sources were moving their machines to to other places with lower cost of energy within the country or somewhere else around the world. And it would actually make sense for them, even if they did have their machines moved uh, to a place with uh, lower energy prices and were able to plug it in, it probably makes more sense for them to wait on the sidelines until the difficulty adjustment to take advantage of uh, a, a lower difficulty over one difficulty epoch at least. So that may have contributed. Yeah, I mean, it's a balance, yeah. right? Between waiting for the difficulty versus grabbing the fees while you can. Yeah. What, like what the amount of fees are that are available. Yeah. It's crazy to see that fees have stayed high even after the adjustment. Like you said, like right now, predicted next block, holy shit, it's 34.36% of the total reward will be made up of fees. That's 3.27 Bitcoin. The important thing is that I successfully swept that L&D on-chain wallet of mine. How'd that feel? Were you stressing um, at all? I'm not going to say the sats per byte I paid, but it was less than 20. Ooh. And, but I, I think it was smart. I had a little bit of fee FOMO there, so I didn't go like full on, you know, one sat per byte, and I got it through. That's, uh, does Catan have any one sat per byte transactions waiting out there in the mempool? Yeah, supposedly he had a he had a couple that got dropped from mempools. I told him he had to, as the flag bearer of one sat per byte transactions, he should be obligated to increase his mempool size to carry everyone's one sat per bytes for them. Yeah, it's only fitting that he would do that. Come on, Catan, get on it, bro. We need this to happen. Um, yeah, big week, man. big week and i hope you were stacking sats on the cash app before this price ran out why is that every every morning okay good good if, so matt's daily buying what at 5 a.m 5 30 a.m well now we're not going to discuss what time i'm you know what time my auto stack is matt's anymore changed his auto stack the the freaks just keep trying to front run me well if you're on the Cash App, you can front run him. If you didn't know, you can stack sats, send sats, sell sats, and receive sats via the Cash App. Uh, and you can DCA. You can set it and forget it. Daily buys, weekly buys, bi-weekly buys. Uh, DCA. Set it and forget it. Uh, sats are the standard. We're no longer buying fractions of Bitcoin, but whole sats, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions if you're a baller. And uh, this is actually good. We're going to have to get the, the daily DCA stack in. So if we don't know the exact time, we're just going to need at least, uh, let's say, 24 freaks to set up uh, daily stacks every hour of the day. Um, so at least one of you or a few <laughs> of you are, are front-running Matthew. So I just need proof of that at some point in the next week. On top of that, you can stack slivers of stonks if you want to on the Cash App. You can buy as little as $1 worth of a stonk if it's too expensive. Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You can direct deposit your paychecks into the app. If you haven't downloaded the app already, make sure you use the code stackingsats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Across. That's Owls Across. They got some weird owls down here in the Caribbean. They sound different. They go, That's a Caribbean owl for you because we're donating our money to Owls Lacrosse. Use the code stackingsats. Download the Cash App. And then when you've done that, go check out our friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is providing uh, Bitcoiners with financial services with a security-first mindset. All their products revolve around multi-sig. 
they're actually going to offer you freaks a special um, discounted package to go from zero to multi-sig uh, with a white glove concierge service. Uh, it's a $15 package, but if you tell them TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off. And basically what you get is one-on-one -on -one video conference calls with the Unchained team. They're going to walk you through multi-sig, how their Volt program works, how you can get comfortable with multi-sig, the hardware wallets you need to use. If you don't have them, they will send them to you. Uh, and they're going to answer any questions you may have. You're going to have multiple video conference calls. Again, they're going to hold your hand through this process. So you go from zero to having coins in a multi-sig vault because uh, basically you get the hardware wallets, you set up the vault, and then part of the $1,450 package for you freaks, if you tell them TFTC sent you, uh, they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin into your multi-sig vault. At the end of the process, um, go check out Unchained Capital. We're going to link specifically to this product in the show notes. Uh, so if you want to go from zero to multi-sig, if you haven't taken custody of your funds yet today, uh, go check out our friends at Unchained Capital. Uh, they're doing incredible things. If you're a high net worth individual who listens to this podcast, sup, number one, and then two, uh, Unchained's rolling out an OTC desk. If you're looking to buy in bulk, Unchained can help you out with that if they're operational in your state. You have to check that. Um, so go check that out. We're going to link to that in the show notes. And then last but not least, our good friends uh, for BTC Media are bringing back Bitcoin Black Friday. So you guys got to go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com. It's a project from the team behind Bitcoin Magazine and Bitcoin 2021 in LA. Bitcoin Black Friday is a celebration of the growing Bitcoin economy. They're going to really help uh, Bitcoiners who are, you know, are putting out products uh, and accepting Bitcoin as payment. They're going to create a and contribute to the the closed loop Bitcoin economy. Um, so on Black Friday, uh, the site is going to find active deals for up to 50% off your favorite Bitcoin gear and other merchants that accept Bitcoin. It doesn't stop with spending Bitcoin. Bitcoin Black Friday also lists over 65 charities that you can support with Bitcoin and stack, a stacking stats page where you, you can earn Bitcoin. So if you want to give back to charity with Bitcoin, uh, they're going to have uh, a list of charities there that you can donate to as well. Um, and so if you are a Bitcoin merchant out there who isn't a part of Bitcoin Black Friday yet, go to their website, BitcoinBlackFriday.com, list yourself, get yourself on the list, add to the list of great deals. And this is really cool. The much awaited Bitcoin back reward card from Fold is almost here. And the Fold team is teaming up with Bitcoin Black Friday to bring you a special promo for the much awaited SAC back card. If you sign up for early access to the Fold card on Bitcoin Black Friday, so again, via BitcoinBlackFriday.com, uh, you'll be entered into a raffle to win one whole Bitcoin or 100 million sats. Um, that's right. Go to BitcoinBlackFriday.com, sign up for the Fold Bitcoin Rewards card, and you'll be entered to win a hot 100 million sat stack. Uh, these guys are partnering with our favorite uh, Bitcoin companies and merchants like Cold Card, Unchained Capital, Bitcoin Magazine, MyNode, Kobo Vault, Ledger, Bavada, and many more. Woo! Thank you, guys. For supporting our sponsors, it really helps us do what we do so we can deliver you this hard-hitting news. And it's a big week of news. We already mentioned it, but the downward difficulty adjustment happened on Monday, I believe. Again, that was negative 16%. Matt, I know we already buzzed on it a bit, but what do you think? I think it was Tuesday. That was the second. Could have been Tuesday. Yeah, the second was Tuesday. No, it wasn't. No, Tuesday was the third, but I think it was, was it really on the second? Was it on Monday? Let me check. I thought it was the morning of Tuesday. Tuesday morning. 
Yeah, I, I don't have the exact date on me right now. Whatever, it happened Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it does. I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, there were a lot of hash came off the network. What was? Were there some? Uh, there was some projections there about how much hash left the network. What was it like thirty five percent or yeah, something? Thirty five to forty percent in some projections. That's pretty significant. I mean, if you think about it in terms of absolute terms, um, by far, like the most that has been pulled off the network during any difficulty period. Yeah. Uh, just because hash keeps going up like crazy amounts. Yeah. A few factors there. I mean, it does highlight the need to distribute hash rate geographically outside of China, where a lot of this hash rate resides right now. I think that's happening. I think the market's bringing solutions uh, to the table that that is just going to make that happen naturally. I know we mentioned it last week, but these uh, these low prices at the hydroelectric dams during the rainy season in China, from what I understand, they're not going to be as cheap as they have been in years past moving forward, especially as the competition for Bitcoin mining specifically continues to heat up in those areas. So I think that'll naturally uh, push hash uh, away from there specifically and then again uh, the mining industry here in north america is young uh, a little bit unorganized but i think it is going to be a significant factor in the the market for hash power at some point in the next decade potentially in the next five years i mean absolutely and i mean just in general the difficulty uh adjustment worked as designed um, that hash left the network, difficulty went down, increasing profitability for existing miners. Um, and it looks like it'll just up for the next period. Um, just trying to like balance itself out, find equilibrium. It's said it many times before, written about it many times before. The difficulty adjustment is one of the most beautiful aspects of Bitcoin. It's such a genius aspect, and I don't think Bitcoin would work. Um, without it, it arguably will not work without it at all. Um, so that that one little tweak that Satoshi made, adjusting the difficulty based on the amount of total compute power on the network in a given twenty or two thousand sixteen block period, uh, makes this magic happen. It's pretty crazy. So shout out to the difficulty adjustment. Yeah, shout out uh. to Satoshi. But uh, so with the difficulty adjusting. We got Bitcoin it privacy. brings blocks. Smoking Bitcoin privacy from our girl it, Janine. Uh, oh, one second. It, month of October it brings is obviously live oh, now. Sorry. Uh, there's a bunch of cool articles uh, that Janine has uh, amassed in the monthly newsletter, including some on tax authorities demanding disclosures, uh, Schmore, Schnorr, and TapScript, BIP79, pay join receiver, and join market, chain analysis, and crypto exposed persons. There's 15. Uh, stories that you guys can go through and then there's uh, she extrapolates on the tax tax authorities demanding disclosures um, looks like looks like she started adding a little color to every piece was that there before what do you mean by that like she's got the stories itemized below maybe I just wasn't paying attention no she always oh, did bad. that my bad Janine um, yeah, she does a great, she just does a great job. Uh, shout out to Janine for that. Um, 
I just wanted to go back real quick. I, was, I guess we were kind of just talking over each other a little bit. Um, because of, it, I'll tell you one thing. The view where you are is fucking fantastic. So if that means some connection issues, then um, sorry, freaks. It's definitely worth it for Marty. Um, the In terms of the mempool, like when, when the difficulty adjusted down, it basically brings blocks back in line um, with that 10-minute average. Uh, even it's a little bit quicker. I, I, I imagine it's probably a little bit quicker right now if difficulty is, is projected to adjust up. Um, so we expected fees to, to, to come down a bit um, as the mempool cleared. More transactions get cleared, um, the wait list goes down, and fees should clear out. And as we said earlier, the fees didn't fully clear out. So it should be interesting to see. And, you know, I, we're very clearly in the midst of a, of the beginnings of a bull run, I would say, you know, that's what it seems like. Um, so fees go up in those situations because transaction demand goes up. So it should be really interesting to see what happens this weekend. The weekends are historically smaller transaction volumes. Um, do we fully clear? Do we not? Yeah. Currently, according to Clark's dashboard, there are 83 blocks to clear in the mempool right now, which is pretty significant. Um, it's almost two thirds of a day or no little little more than half a day worth of blocks the coolest part about the block clock mini is you can pick any any stat that's on clark's dashboard so i could just have it sitting there doing like number of blocks to clear and it could keep switching for me um this thing looks dope i can't wait to plug mine in uh it got delivered while i was on this vacation so uh did I just see a dog run behind yeah, you? Yeah. We have a dog here, Winston. Winston, that's fantastic. Is it like a house dog? It like came with the no, house. No, we brought him. Not me and my wife, but oh, another, fantastic! Uh, another couple on the trip with us. It's their dog. Huge, huge fan of dogs. He's a good over dog here. too. Very good dog. Great, great, uh, great companion to have on this trip. Um, yeah, man. Where are your dogs? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Hopefully, they don't bother me during the stream. They usually want to get the door opened and closed for them as it's going. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll see we'll hear from them in a little bit. <laughs> Was not expecting to hear from these guys. Uh, Gazprom Bank, a bank from the fold of Russian energy giant Gazprom, is launching institutional cryptocurrency services in Switzerland, which is interesting. A lot of a lot of. Uh, intertwining narratives here russia is getting into bitcoin they're doing it in switzerland though via gazprom bank um they're going to start out with bitcoin only trading against fiat currencies and they expect to add more cryptocurrencies in the future even though they probably shouldn't uh <laughs> they made an announcement the ceo roman abdulin said we expect digital assets to become increasingly important in the global economy and in particular for our current and potential clientele um, so it seems like Gazprom Bank specifically is seeing the writing on the walls. It pertains to Bitcoin's continued success and saying, hey, if our clients are asking for it, we should offer it to them. Um, interesting that a Russian bank is doing this in Switzerland. Do you think they'll offer the same services to Russians? Yeah, I don't know. Are they offering? It's not immediately clear. I imagine they're offering it to Russians in Switzerland, right? It's like their Swiss arm of their bank. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I'm not. I'm not well versed on the uh, 
the Russian expat uh, population in Switzerland. Didn't know it was considerable. Makes sense though. I mean, I, they might. It might not. It might not be Russian expats, right? I mean, I know at least before they had that big, uh, uh, that big crackdown in in the Swiss banking industry. Like there was a ton of Americans that were using Swiss banks, right? And they weren't expats. No, yeah, they were living in America with Swiss bank accounts, right? So. Um, presumably there's Russians who are living in Russia with Swiss Gazprom bank accounts. They can fuck around with Bitcoin now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Take advantage of the Swiss banking laws from abroad. Very popular if you have enough money. Shout out Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie. Um, all right. This is, I think, probably the biggest news of the week as it pertains to Bitcoin. I hinted at it last week, uh, particularly about the conversation I had with Ryan Gentry from. Oh, great episode, by the way. Sir. Really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, Ryan's really smart, dude. We're lucky to have him focused on on Lightning specifically. He has thought thoroughly about all aspects of Bitcoin and even the uh, altcoin space. He was forced to read white papers while at Multicoin Capital, and he has a very Major shitcoiners over there. When it comes to believing that Bitcoin is going to win out against all these shitcoins, and um, and he has a very articulate way of, of describing the order of operations necessary for Bitcoin to be successful, the importance of proof of work, the importance of Lightning, how Lightning is more than just a payments layer on top of Bitcoin, and this Lightning pool liquidity market is a great example and is again i think one of the biggest fundamental positive developments to happen in the bitcoin space since potentially launched the lightning network a couple years ago because uh lightning pool basically creates the conditions through which a yield curve can develop on top of bitcoin Uh, so lightning pool is a solution to do two things uh number one help node operators profit from being routing nodes more easily in the way that you do this is it allows you to sell uh, channel liquidity to a user looking to get on and leverage the lightning network so that's the second benefit is the user looking to get on and benefit from the lightning network has a better user experience where they're able to just straight up buy inbound liquidity so they can start using lightning right away and the way this yield curve develops is uh, you'll be able to offer liquidity over a certain duration of time right now i believe it's only two weeks but they will be expanding the amount of time that you can offer uh, liquidity loans for and so as these durations get added you basically have uh, uh, the rate of uh, what's the word you have the lightning network real rate of return sort of develop and you you get to really hone in and calculate the uh, risk-free rate of return that Bitcoin is giving its users. So each duration will have a different interest rate attached to it. And if you loan out for two weeks uh, and for 10%, you may loan out for a month at 13%, uh, uh, a half a year for 15%, whatever, but it, it helps you really calculate the opportunity cost of uh, being able to use your Bitcoin versus locking it up 
and providing liquidity in this pool. And that interest rate attached to that really defines that opportunity cost and lets you know the rate-free risk of return that you have on your Bitcoin. And from a financialization standpoint, this is imperative and a really incredible fundamental development uh, for Bitcoin becoming more legitimate in the eyes of uh, people in finance or not even just them, but it, it allows people to better calculate risk when they're deciding whether or not to to spend, loan out, or invest their Bitcoin. And I mean, the key here is that this market already exists. Uh, naturally, it exists. Um, but this is a distributed marketplace that allows price discovery to happen in a more censorship-resistant, transparent way, um, which are two key aspects there that you want to see. Uh, what it really reminds me of is is basically from a top level, like the the way join market is set up, where there's this there's essentially this liquidity market that's um, permissionless that anyone can come in and join um, and provide liquidity for whatever price the market's willing to pay. Um, and on that note, I would say the same concern I have basically with with join market um, is is that when join market was first announced, I was extremely bullish on the idea, the incentives there where there's like this maker taker model for liquidity is exactly what we want to see in Bitcoin, this free market incentive structure. The concern I have is, and I know it's early days, so I'm not trying to, um, you know, uh, talk down to them or something like, but we still haven't seen on join market is, is the UX is super important here. Uh, to allow liquidity to easily access the marketplace and participate. And to this day, we haven't seen that really evolve with join market. And I think one of the things to watch is basically what that rate is, because I think if if people can access it easier, that rate should the rate of return should go up a little bit more. Right. Like I it, if, if you look at the rate of return on join market right now for providing join market liquidity, it's pennies. It's absolutely nothing. Um, and I think part of the issue is you don't you don't have enough on, on the on the maker side. It's it's easy enough for people to set up liquidity and provide liquidity. But on the taker side, it's too difficult for them to come in and take it. Right. And uh, actually demand add that demand element. Yeah, that's really the novel beautiful beautiful thing about this is that this rate develops because people are willing to pay for utility right leveraging the network and that utility is provided by a better ux particularly better channel management ux so you don't have to worry about rebalancing channels or even probably the hardest hurdle for somebody joining the lightning network for the first time is getting inbound liquidity um or an outbound liquidity sort of balance so this makes that considerably easier. Uh, if you listen to the podcast with Ryan, uh, you'll know that that's not, that's only the tip of the iceberg. The the applications that can be applied via Lightning Pool and things like shadow chains that this enables is is going to be massive, and we can't even comprehend or visualize or uh, imagine the use cases that'll come out with it. The market's gonna, I think be be creating some very creative and unique solutions uh with this stack right and it's beautiful because it's all bitcoin native and you're you're able to profit in bitcoin it's all denominated in sats and 
compared to something like BlockFi, you're able to basically get a return on your sats in a savings account like entity uh, without giving up custody. It's not custodial. You have one key and the two to uh, multi-sig at all times. So you have custody. It's beautiful. You don't never give up custody. It's Bitcoin finance done the right way. No KYC. No KYC, none of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what I want to see is, uh, and I, I hope it will come in time, is, you know, like you, you open up like a storefront, right? And you, you need inbound liquidity because you open up your storefront. This is the scenario we basically see play out all the time in terms of uh, lightning merchants. And you're basically like in two button presses, you can just like go and, and buy directly from the market, right? Without like going into command line or going into stuff. And, and, and when that happens that's when you get real demand and we can see a, a real rate like materialize. Yeah. And this order book will be global and accessible by anybody, right? You don't even need an exchange account or connecting a bunch of exchange accounts to, to access this order book. It's just accessible to anybody in a non-custodial fashion. I love the, the light up. We're back over 15K. You can set all that. We're back over 15K. Yep, we just went over it. There you go. Shout out Block Clock yeah. Mini. And shout out to the Lightning Labs team. They sat on this. Again, for some of it's like a big development. There was no hype before the launch. They launched it. They just put out a good product. They didn't tease it or anything. They just put their heads down, build it out, launched it. Um, so... What's beautiful to see. And they first they released Lightning Terminal, right? Which is which is what kind of brings it all together, it seems, right? Like Lightning Terminal is the GUI that's gonna provide, you know, your interface to Lightning Loop, which is a rebalancing tool and and uh Lightning Pool, which is their liquidity purchasing tool, marketplace. Yeah. So Yeah. Not gonna lie, a lot of people hate on Lightning Labs and Lightning in general, but this news was extremely positive, uh, bullish, and an incredible uh, fundamental building block uh, being offered to Bitcoiners um, that should have profound effects on just being able to accurately define opportunity costs when deciding to hold, spend, invest, or sell your Bitcoin. Um, so. It's uh, it's cool to see. I can't wait to start messing around with it. I gotta when I get home, set up our nodes, and and I think I'm gonna start offering some liquidity on those books. I'm just happy I was able to sweep those on-chain transactions for a small sat provide fee. <laughs> then I can get back into being hyped about Lightning. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think this is bullish as I do? I you know look I think. I I have a very, I don't know, just a funny history with Lightning. And I, I just, I think that maybe my expectations were a little bit, um, f like, f fucked around in, in, for a period there. Um, I think it's important that Bitcoin Twitter is running Tor nodes, uh, like Tor routing nodes that aren't attached to a person or, or a business. Um, I still think that's important, but I think for the average user, they're basically 
just going to have a mobile app with like one channel to a routing node. Um, and, and, and if they need to receive, maybe they buy liquidity from lightning pool and they don't even realize they buy liquidity from lightning pool. Um, alternatively, maybe they're using a custodial wallet for a small amount, uh, because it makes UX easier and it's based in some country that's not listening to American regulations. So there's some regulatory arbitrage there. Uh, but I think like the average user is never going to manage a lightning node and like, that's probably fine. Um, like the, like the killer, the killer use case in the short to medium term is basically interoperable custodial wallets or semi-custodial wallets. And I, I think that's fine, but I, 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 I got myself a little bit too hyped. That's all. I got. I think I got myself a little bit too hyped well, on it. Too Jack quickly. Dorsey took the lightning network torch from you. Maybe that. Maybe you got like too hot, too quick, too fast in your lightning network journey. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, I, and I say this a lot. Like I was bearish lightning, and then I got like ridiculously bullish hyped, um, and now I'm just. I feel like I'm just coming back to a more realistic um, framing. Go. You know. Goals. Yeah. Um, but I think it is important, more important than ever for people to realize that we do need independent routing nodes out there. We, you know, I, I'm, I'm still concerned that we'll have like, you know, centralized hubs. Uh, I do think that the permissionless nature or the, the permission, it doesn't require much per- permission. Cool. Uh, to join the network and become a routing node. So I think that's super important. And stuff like Lightning Pool makes it even easier. So the, the the real bullish thing for me on something like Lightning Pool is that if you're a more technical user, you can come in, you can create a node on Tor, and you don't have to like talk to anyone and be like, boy, you know, like talk to one of your boys and be like, give me inbound liquidity. I need to join the network. You can just buy it. And you just buy your way in. Well, then that, and then on top of that, on top of buying your way in, maybe it even incentivizes people who would, excuse me, would not have set up a lightning node or routing node to do so in the hopes that they profit by leasing out this liquidity. Maybe you have some hodlers with some coins and cold I storage just, and they've thought, they've thought about like the interest bearing loan somewhere like BlockFi and that custodial risk is too much for them. Uh, but this lightning pool risk i just don't know how much money is to be made for like the average person i think well there's a there's a bot out already i think it's called uh lightning pool stats or something like that they're pulling data from blockstream.info i've seen aprs at 13 percent, which is pretty no but it depends what your boss score is do you do you see this no are you aware of this boss score the bos score is that it's like your reputational lightning node score. Well, good. And I'm not sure. I, I haven't been able to see what it stands for, but it might stand for Bosworth. <laughs> um, he might have come up with it. I'm not positive. That's as far as I've gotten there. But he his node has like a ridiculously high boss score. Um, and it kind of makes sense to me because he probably rate. created the fucking score. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like like did you you saw his tweet last week? I think we talked about it last week. Like he's made bank on this fucking node. Um, like my nodes have lost me money 
Like I'm negative, right? And I, so like how many users are going to have a positive, like, like I wonder how big the range is going to be in terms of super profitable nodes versus like the average user who like, is, is are they going to be able to get their reputation score up or yeah. like how that all plays out? It should be interesting to just watch it play. This is a call to action. All you uncle Jim's out there. All right. We need you set up these routing nodes, try to make them profitable. Hopefully lightning pool can help you with that. But I would imagine could be wrong here, but just like uh, I'm inclined to believe that the UX around uh, setting up and operating a profitable routing node will get easier over time. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Um, I think, I mean, everything seems to be getting easier. Right, so yeah. I think that's pretty safe uh, to assume. Including shitting on no coiners. That, yeah, well, that's always that number goes up on that. It's always easier. Um, I, I I think the, the the biggest limitation is really that that bandwidth uh, because um, if you're trying to operate a sovereign routing node, you're going to be Tor only. Uh, that's a good good point. Um, like Bosworth runs his on both Tor and and ClearNet with like a super high bandwidth connection, like fantastically connected out to people, and that's fine. It's what it is. What it is. Would people um, pay more? I guess you have the latency and the privacy trade off there. Then, yeah, I've had tons of issues keeping my node online just because of Tor. Like Tor circuits break on you and. And you're like constantly restarting and stuff. And uh, obviously if you have like a high, like a really good connected AWS node, like you're going to be better off. It's exciting. We shall see how it plays out again. Uncle Jim's this is a call to action. Let's see what you got. We need more routing nodes than just the big players. Uh, let's break for a shout out. We got one shout out this week. This one brings a smile. It's because we, it's because we, f- we, we shamed the freaks. I, I just wanted to apologize to the freaks for forgetting the shout outs last week. That was, well, we brought shame to our family. We've never done that. Luckily before. I remembered it before uploading the episode. Yeah, but we failed them. We failed them. Marty. Last week was a good rip. We got, we got into the heat of things, you know, we're just in a flow. Yeah. Okay. Let's hit him with the shout uh, out. And actually just so you know, I got a DM from one of the freaks who bought last week's shout out and he was very happy with it, even though it happened. Um, uh, we threw it in the beginning of the episode. He wasn't too mad about it. It was at the end of the episode, but you listened to it in yes, the beginning. Yes, it's true. So I was like a little, little tipsy. And uh, I think I was drinking whiskey last week. Oh, yeah. We got pretty, we got pretty hammered last yes. week. So here's this week's shout out. Shout out to all the Aussies who are making their trek to a tiny country town in the middle of nowhere this weekend for the inaugural Australian Bitcoin Bush Bash. Bitcoiners traveling from at least three states for a weekend talking Bitcoin, running a few learning sessions, and helping fellow Bitcoiners level up. Forecast is luminous orange and includes sat stacking, stakes and banter, and chance of gratuitous shitposting. Travel safe. Um, that's the end of the shout out, and there's a message for us. Cheers. Um, after that, I'll read that to you offline. Um, so shout out to our Australian freaks. I didn't know this was going on until I read this shout out earlier this week. Uh, so sh- Catan super excited. Yeah. Shout out to everybody going to the Bitcoin Bush bash. Uh, enjoy it. The last uh, in-person Bitcoin uh, meetup that I did was BitBlockBoom. And 
there's just something about getting together with Bitcoiners, uh, especially for an extended period of time. The, the vibes are going to be high. I can feel it already. I'm very jealous of the Australian freaks out there. And thank you for the shout out. Lockdowns only exist if you let them exist. Right. Right. Don't let them put it you in the pod. Okay. Don't let them put you in the fucking pod. Get out of your pod and go meet your friends. And talk about how we're going to take back this world with Bitcoin. I was at a wedding this how weekend. Fuck your lockdown. Dude, I flew. The fl- oh, no, I'm not your lockdown. I was no, just, no, no. I knew you just, weren't. I know. Oh, yeah. I know you weren't uh, directing that towards me. <laughs> but, like, just, like, the logical inconsistencies with all this. Yeah, you flew international. It's, like, it's so dumb. We're not going to get into it. People get too angry when we get into it. Just buy Bitcoin. Yes. A lot of people are buying Bitcoin today. Not financial advice. <sighs> we already got past me me telling you to buy Bitcoin at at a local top. So from now on, I'm only advocating for people to sell Bitcoin, uh, which I will never sell do. Sell your sats. So that's also not finite. That's even worse advice. No, fuck it. Just just stay home to stack sats. Yeah. No, but honestly, get off zero if you're listening to this. And you're not on off zero. Who's who's on zero listening to this podcast? How do you listen to this podcast on zero? If anybody listening to this podcast on Why zero, are you doing it to yourself? Please show yourself on Twitter so we can shame you into getting off zero. You must you must be so salty <laughs> listening to this podcast on zero. Like, what the oh, fuck? Look, you're the mini doing? block clocks are reading fifteen thousand thirty dollars now. We've, the price has increased. You made money if you're holding holding sats during this episode. Oh no, so for weddings I always give an open dime. And they're up like what are they up? Uh, the wedding was on Saturday. What are they up now? They're up like 15, 20% already, Easily, right? Yeah. I, uh, I need to charge one of my AirPods. I need to figure out which one. He just ran out of battery. He just pulled his AirPods this out. One in my head. Well, anyway, I love when I give a wedding gift and then it goes up in value. The uh, new open dives, too, the orange ones. Oh my god, they're so fucking sexy. I only got three. I don't know what I was thinking. I got mostly black ones. Yeah, I, um... Surprisingly sexy. I didn't think an orange open dime would be sexy. Orange is like kind of a shitty color, to be honest. Yeah, not a, not a, it's not a great aesthetic, but these are beautiful. I actually... Rodolfo and I uh, connected after last week's episode. If you're Freaks listening, you, you might have heard that I actually paid an invoice twice. Um, I think that... The cold power is underrated. Do you have a cold power? It's it's just a sexy piece of. I I like went fully ham on CoinKai products in my most recent purchase. I got another MK3. Keyword there being I, purchase. Like I, said, I got a bunch of open dimes. Just I got another cold power. It's my second cold power, and then I got like his stupid ass magnetic cables that are actually like great because they're magnetic. So I just like magnetic my cold card to it. I don't know. It just it feels good. But the cold power is 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 low key dope little piece of hardware that like plugs into this nine volt battery. Do you see this on the screen, yeah. Marty? No, we've talked about the cold power. Plugs into the nut. Yeah, dude, it's like low key my favorite I use it sometimes to charge phones. Just because, like, I don't know. Yeah, just because I can. It just low-key feels feels steampunk, you know? It's a bare board, bare board battery it pack. steampunk, dude. Um, shout out to CoinKite. 
one of our favorite uh, hardware producers in the space. Where are we at now? 15.30 still. My dad loves this fucking clock. Dad's done. Is your dad an Uncle Jim yet? No, I'm, I've Uncle Jim that guy for fucking my whole life. <laughs> like set up his computer at like six years old. Uh. <laughs> That's why people don't realize like we've... I think a, a majority of our listeners have lived the Uncle Jim lifestyle this whole fucking time. The difference is, for the first time ever, there's like, well, not the first time ever, but there's a growing self-sovereign computing movement led by Bitcoin um, where it's extra important. And I, I think that what I want to see is basically, like when you're setting up an iPhone for a, a parent, it's not set up for the son to set up the iPhone for the parent. They ask you what your email address is and shit like that. Like I want software to like have an uncle Jim mode where it's like, are you setting this up for your father? It's like, yes. Okay. So what's your email address? What's his email address? Like you provide both, you know? And like, if for some reason he gets locked out of his account, like it goes up to the uncle Jim, you know, like that's how the software should be built from the beginning. I like that. I think you're going to take Uncle Jim, the concept of Uncle Jim, mainstream. It's going to happen. I just wish I had the domain. It's going to happen, freaks. You don't have the Uncle Jim domain. Ooh. No, it was taken. Ooh. Probably by Uncle Jim himself. Like some Uncle Jim somewhere. I feel had like it. it's like a, a pancake batter or something like that. Or some company. <laughs> <laughs> what Aunt Jemima and Uncle Jim? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I had something else to say, but I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> well, um, maybe I'll remember it. We got software updates up next. We'll just blow through these. Uh, Zeus version 0.4.0 has been released. We're running Lightning Zeus. Uh, the Zeus wallet, make sure you upgrade to 4.0, or excuse me, version 0.4.0 if you're comfortable. You don't have to upgrade if you don't want to. It's usually recommended, but uh, Spectre version 0.9.1 is out as well. Lightning Terminal, we mentioned it earlier, uh, version 0.3.0 uh, is out as well. It's lit. Andrew, to- Andrew Android Tour Browser version 10.0.3 is out. Uh, anything significant here with the Tor upgrade, or is it? Is it- uh, the Tor Browser is is dope because they just they modeled it. Um, they modeled it. They rewrote it from scratch to base it off of Fire uh, Mozilla's new. Tor browser, uh, t- new Android browser engine, Phoenix. Um, so it's a completely new browser engine, uh, which is like a big deal. Um, I was actually distracted because I was looking it up. UncleJim.com was registered in 1997 and he still isn't using it. Like, what's going on there, Jim? Jim, if you're listening to the podcast, reach out. We'd like to broker a deal. <laughs> Hopefully, you give us a good deal. I would. Dude, if the original Uncle Jim listens to the podcast, I'm fucking elated. <laughs> That's fucking fantastic. Uncle Jim. Um, what do we got next? Joinbox version 0.1.14 has been released. Uh, Open Noms. Thanks, Open Noms. Been working on that. Go check it out. Fully noted desktop. The key there. Uh, version 0.1.99 has been released. Uh, so go check that out as well. Shout out to Fontaine and crew for getting that out. Um, Raspberry Pi 400. What is this? Did you see this? No. 
Dude, it's sexy as fuck. They built it into a keyboard. Let me see. So the keyboard is the Raspi. Was it got like a? How fucking cool is that? Seventy bucks. Is it like the uh, the Apple keyboard bar or laptop bar? Is that how you interact with it? What interact with the CLI? Is there like a? No, no, dude. The computer is in the keyboard. I understand that, but like, how do you? Where's the screen? You. Well, you plug an HDMI cable into it and plug it into a fucking screen like you do with a Raspi. And you plug a mouse into it. All right, now I get it. But it's $70. You can have a Bitcoin node in a keyboard. I mean, you have to still buy the SSD. You still have to buy the drive, which is another $100 or whatever, and plug it in through external USB so it won't look that pretty. Um, but that's cool. I, I dig it. I do too. I, uh, I was waiting for my low bandwidth. Uh, internet to upload the uh the site and now i get it yeah <laughs> you froze up while you clicked this it. is uh this is super cool 70 bucks is not a bad deal either it's such a fucking good right. deal hey i'm like torn i like i'm about to order a trident case and i'm gonna have two raz pies in a fucking single case and then i also now i kind of want oh we just updated the bitcoin blackhawk i i also <laughs> I also, you know, want this fucking keyboard now. Do you think that'd be a good cold storage option? Like traveling with a keyboard? Like, hey, it's just the keyboard for my laptop. Like crossing. Was it? Someone was joking in the comments or whatever. Like now the TSA is going to be like absolute dicks about keyboards. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, I, no, I mean, like when it comes to colder storage, like for most people, the most accessible is, is hardware wallets, right? Which is, is like a cold card or something. And um, that's the irony of all of this, right? Is like, I think in terms of that, you're just best off using Spectre and and Bitcoin Core, or which we're about to talk about, uh, Nunchuck, um, which just got announced, which is the same concept as Spectre, which is basically this interface that sits on top of Bitcoin Core. So you install Bitcoin Core, you can have it in prune mode, just using like 10 gigs of data on your fucking regular computer. Then you have Spectre or Nunchuck. Disclosure, Nunchuck does not have, it's not open source yet. Supposedly they're about to release the code. And then you interact directly with your hardware wallets with Core, with Bitcoin Core. So I, I think I think basically these uh, single board computers, uh, these Raspi nodes are, are more going to be focused on providing interfaces for mobile wallets and Lightning and... 24-7 coin join like Whirlpool. Yeah. Shout out to our boy, uh, Hugo Gwynn. Hugo. Uh, who, Hugo's been under the radar for a bit. I remember meeting him in person at, while he was part of the Chain Code residency, probably about like this time last year, actually. And he's written some incredible Medium articles on proof of work versus proof of stake and the nature of proof of work specifically incredible incredible content pieces and think pieces and this is the first i've seen from him in quite a while and is, yeah it's uh again called nunchuck multi-sig made easy and they they have uh, a few goals in mind they, they made this product thinking about security about a seamless ux process making it future proof uh it must be and it must go above and beyond empowering the user um so we're gonna. Li- it's pretty much the same exact concept as Spectre. Yeah. 
which is Bitcoin Core does the heavy lifting. Um, you use uh, PSBT standards to interact and HWI to interact with uh, all the major hardware wallets. Um, and what's cool here is because of that, because they're both leveraging the same standard, they're both leveraging Core, um, you can use them against each other, right? Um, if you want Verify to backups or anything like use that. it as an additional source of verification. Yeah. But of course, you know, I mean, right now, like as it stands, you use something like Spectre. I mean, you should be PGP verifying your download to make sure that it hasn't been manipulated midway. But even if you didn't do that, um, you you can verify the address air gapped on the cold card with just the address explorer. Um, so, so the 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 threat model for the average user in terms of and and in terms of easy UX is fantastic. Like we've never been at this like super bullish on this element here, where you can get very strong security. Uh, guarantees uh, in a very easy UX package, but w whether that's Spectre or Nunchuck with Bitcoin Core and your hardware wallet, like that is fantastic to me. Um, like we're talking about UX uh, advances that brings it up to like a Ledger Live or like a wallet.treasure.io, right? Like this is way, 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 way more accessible than than running Electrum Personal Server or Electris. Or an Electromax like on a separate node and connecting to it. I lost Marty again. But the freaks can hear ah, me. There you go. You're back. I was silent. So there I was hoping go. that you were rambling still. <laughs> I was talking to them quietly. Sorry, freaks. We, um, again, I'm on not a vacation i'm working i'm working remotely from an area with bad bandwidth we actually recorded an episode two days ago that did not have these problems so hopefully this is just a temporary hiccup with these technical difficulties well, maybe other episode. people in your we home apologize we know uh we know you guys str strive for greatness and expect greatness from us uh sorry you're not getting greatness from a uh from a connectivity standpoint today but hey we're gonna power through it luckily we record all of our content remotely so the audio will not be perturbed on your end. Uh, the block clock just changed behind Matt again. We're at $15,054. Uh, I have a feeling the block clock is going to be one of the most distracting things for this. We're just going to be updating the price throughout the whole episode from now on. So fucking right. cool. Uh, this is cool. T Dude. This is cool too. Uh. Our friends at Global Mesh Labs. <laughs> uh, dropped a blog, a blob, if you will, um, on low bandwidth Bitcoin. How low can we go from only users and what are the trade-offs? Our boy Richard Myers from Global Mesh Labs wrote a piece basically talking about what we need to do uh, to basically enable Bitcoin for, uh, I guess, the... How would you describe it for the most, not vulnerable, but people with the least amount of resources from a internet connectivity? The most people. Yeah, the most people in the world. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> like billions of people. Yeah. How do we how do we make Bitcoin accessible and usable uh, from a non-custodial, self-sovereign perspective for most of the people in the world who, who use mobile phones as their 
main way to access the internet and these networks. Um, love Richard Myers, man. Always putting out the Myers brothers. You got Steve. Yeah, we're Steve lucky. Working on we're the Bitcoin lucky development that. Kit. And uh, Richard working on making it so we can we can send Bitcoin messages and transactions over mesh networks. We're lucky to have them. We really are. Um, lucky to have the guys over at the oh, God damn it, this is so bad. Mark, <laughs> he's trying to set up. Mark, he's trying to set up his AirPods. Yeah. Um, we're lucky to have Mark. Mark Schwinnard and uh, our boy Chris Gimmer, uh, they put out BitBo, um, which is a new Bitcoin dashboard similar to Clark Moody's. These are the Snappa yeah. guys. Yeah, we had them on the podcast about a month ago. Um, so they talked about... I like this dashboard. It's pretty, man. It's pretty. Clark, they're coming for they you. They are. Clark, if you're listening, beware. Do you Do you have a favorite? Can I make you pick favorites? Or are you gonna pick favorites between your siblings, your 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 children? No, I'm not gonna pick favorites. Each has their. I think Clark's is still my favorite, but I like that. I'm like torn. I like that they they have a price graph on Bitbo. Yeah, I like the graph. Uh, yeah, I mean it's very similar data points. I'm trying to see the the difference is the graph. It's the layout. The difference is the yeah. layout. I think they plan on adding more to this in the future. So. And they link to Bitcoin. I've been using they both. They link to BitcoinAxe.com too um, to track and sponsor Bitcoin. Well, no, they, core development. I appreciate that they switch it between that Bitcoin Axe and Bitcoin Devlist. Boss. Um, so so I I do like that they basically put an ad spot there for supporting Bitcoin developers. Um, I do appreciate that. No, I I, I definitely appreciate. it. I would like to see one of them or maybe a different one. Uh, the other one we don't have on the list is uh, Robustus. Mm. Uh, Dan McArdle created CaseBitcoin.com uh, probably because he, he got sick of dealing with all the shit coining that was happening at Masari, which he co-founded, which is fine. Um, but uh, shout out to him. That's really nice. What I'd like to see is one of them integrate the no bullshit Bitcoin feed because it does have an open RSS. Yes. No bullshit Bitcoin feed is incredible and addictive. If you're not following them on Telegram or Twitter, make sure you do it. They have the highest quality signal to noise ratio out of a news aggregator I've seen to date in the Bitcoin space. Um, shout out to our friends Mark and Gimmer over at Snappa for putting out Bitbo. Bitbo, excuse me. Uh, again, they teased it when I recorded with them a couple months ago. Uh, happy to see that hit the market. A great place just to get another dashboard with different aesthetics. Um, sure, different aesthetics uh, float. And there's another dashboard too that I'm forgetting about. Yeah, and if you're not following Robustus Dan McArdle on Twitter, like he's been one of the most prescient Bitcoin commentators for some. Like he has threads from like 2016 that predicted a bunch of stuff, particularly Bitcoin's narrative from a macro perspective, fee market. Yeah, he has great fucking, great, great, great Twitter. Good dude. Very good dude. I had the pleasure of meeting him in person once. Um, after a bit devs, I believe. I have, there was someone else who, 
there was there was another there was another uh, dashboard that came out that we never spoke about on the podcast that I wanted to give a shout out to because I do appreciate all these guys making dashboards for us. Well, I found it bitcoinkpis.com. Oh yes, yes. Um, which is basically the way I would describe it is is Clark's dashboards graphs because Clark Clark refuses to put graphs for us. Um, like charts for us, like over time, he just gives you what the current state is. Uh, and he's like pretty strict about it. I, I think it's cause he, he's working on crypto watch and he's like, that's the charting and the dashboard is the dashboard and they're, they're completely separate. But this guy like put together basically all the key metrics that, that Clark is tracking, but he put it in chart form so you can see it over time. Bitcoin KPIs.com. Here, I'm going to dump that link in our telegram chat right now so i don't forget to put that in the show not boom um next up bitmax research coming out with a really interesting piece about bitcoin merge mining uh which is a topic that doesn't really get too much coverage uh in i guess the news whatever you want to call it uh but they basically dove into the blockchain data to to find out how how many blocks included uh, information being merge mined or uh, into Bitcoin's blockchain from things like RSK uh, and other sort of merge mined solutions. So RSK is a second layer smart contracting that no one uses. But they're they're testing data into <laughs> right now about fifty percent of blocks, which is interesting. It's, they've gotten as high as close to like sixty percent, fifty nine percent it seems. So it seems like out of every block that is mined, uh, half of them have data that's that's anchoring. Uh, RSK is anchoring data into the Bitcoin blockchain, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting. We actually, we briefly mentioned RSK in the podcast that drops tomorrow. Yes. Um, and yeah, no one really talks about it. It's just, I don't know. I, I just, it was very hyped. It was very hyped for a while, and it just kind of disappeared off the radar. They released a token. I'm like not like questionable on the token, and then it just disappeared. Yeah. So the way BitMEX Research defines merge mining, what is merge mining? Merge mining, sometimes called auxiliary proof of work, is the process of mining two or more chains at the same time. Essentially, the same proof of work can be used as assurance on multiple systems. This involves a parent chain and a child chain. And the child chain essentially inherits some of the security characteristics of the parent. Uh, so basically, yeah, there's two chains that are being merge mined to basically uh, secure the data of the smaller chain into the bigger chain. Uh, early, like it was talked a lot. It was talked about a lot more uh, like in 2013, 2014, your own Bitcoin talk back that back then merge mining was a big topic rsk launched years ago but like matt said doesn't seem like too many people are using it but they would argue otherwise i believe they're like we talked even with um who were we talking to about that um when we're talking about stable no adam adam um soltis solstice no coin coin os episode Uh, he was talking that uh, rsk has a a tether token that's used at least somewhat correct 
I don't think anyone uses that shit. Should we get the RSK guys on? Yeah, but Sergio, right? Yeah, Sergio. There's a few of them. Sergio. Yeah, let's Sergio get him on. Or, let's get him on the podcast. Sergio, no, no one uses RSK. I think you're. Well, I think it's big in Latin America. I think that's what Adam said when. Maybe nobody that we know uses it. No Latin American freaks. We have a decent amount of Latin American freaks. If if you use RSK, hit us up. Let us know. Yeah, keep us. DM, comment, whatever you want to do. Let us, let us know if you use it. Yes. We're dying to know. Um, speaking of dying, Layer 1 is in a, a legal tussle over power facility <laughs> uh, ownership. I don't know. I feel weird talking about this because Layer 1 could be considered a competitor to Great American Mining, but it seems like... Legit a competitor, you know, right? It seems like they are having legal problems, uh, a couple of technical co-founders have left. There's people questioning whether or not uh, they... Seems sketchy. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to lie. It seems a little sketchy. Um, I have I have no uh, conflict of interest there. I put it on the list, full disclosure, and I am... Uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm probably going to put more mining-related stuff in the list just to make you squirm a little bit. <laughs> Um, no, no, but it does seem sketchy to me. It, it like, I, it, things aren't adding up and our boy BTC King on Twitter has been going at them like hard as fuck. And this is the first time I, that the, you know, the, the more, you know, the, the proper journalist outlets, uh, which is like a very high compliment to say of Coindesk in the block uh have have actually reported on it right it was the second time but it's this is like a more tangible like we have real things and yeah tangible confirmable things in front of us in terms of court documents and whatnot while btc king is mostly um covering it, breaking rumors, rumors and whatnot he's usually right though but it has he's been very credible yeah. he's been on point yeah. or she actually one of our one of our internal slack sayings at Great American Mining is like, let's never get on BTC King 555's bad side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's bad. You know it's bad when you start showing up in that feed. Uh, but it's like hard to report on it because it's not confirmed. Yeah. But, so the way I understand but it, he's been on point. Many moving factors to the layer one story. Uh, they're in a lawsuit over patent infringement on the load management system they built. Um, to, to basically decide when to turn their miners on and off depending on the demand for the energy uh, that that substation is serving the grid at any given point in time. It's one aspect. Uh, I believe the co-founders are in a legal battle over uh, rights to a patent around uh, immersion cooling mining. Uh, the technical co-founders, I forget their names, um, are basically alleging that Alex Legal um, wrongly like wrote his name into as like into the patent as the owner and the uh, owner of the original IP, um, and then on top of that, rumors that they tried to sell the substation uh, earlier this year at pennies on the dollar, and that the raise that they were marketing to investors for for around the amount they said they had raised before around it's turning out not to be uh, the total amount that was raised again this is all what's being reported i don't know 
exactly what's happening outside of the court documents that exist. But yeah, it's a shame. It's talked about a lot in the mining industry about how, how much of a bad name it has, uh, particularly here in North America. It's been very opaque, unprofessional. And so another hit to the North American mining industry reputation is never good. Um, but yeah, it's a shitty situation. Yeah, I mean, fuck the North American mining reputation. Like, they're just horrible people in general. Um, don't, don't don't trust those people. Not one bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not one sat. Uh, Excuse me. What was I gonna? I forgot what I, I forgot what I was gonna say. I like Marty. I'm just super bullish. Dump um, it. Dump it, freaks. I'm 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 very bullish. Uh, I, I've been trying to, uh, contain my emotions and I've been pretty good about it. I think we are very much at the precipice. It does feel like 2016, um, which is when, you know, we had the last having and we had the last election, um, in 2016, this time, Around then, it was the price of Bitcoin was about seven hundred and fifty dollars. We were making moves towards the all-time high of eleven hundred dollars or whatever the fuck it was, um, and I was like kind of in disbelief. Um, I remember my father told me at like after talking shit about Bitcoin from the point I got into it at like around nine hundred dollars. He's like, "Man, I'm thinking about buying some Bitcoin." I was like, Dad, you've been talking shit this whole time. Um, you were probably right. We probably have too much in it as a family. Like, maybe you shouldn't do that. This is the worst advice I've given <laughs> probably ever. Um, and I, so I feel like that's like kind of where we are right now. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like too simple. I, I mean, it just repeats every you say four it a lot, years. It's programmed into the protocol right what the fuck it's uh but on top of that the fundamentals are there too so it's not like it's just pumping based more fundamentals based on the cyclical um having and the subsidy the fundamentals of people building on the tech hash rate even though it fell considerably um after rainy season ended this year it seems to be recovering pretty healthily healthily i don't think that's a word um it's it's not not a a word. word All right, we're going to make it up here healthily. Uh, things like lightning. You see someone correct us on scumminess? Improprieties. Improprieties. That's a good one. Uh, shout out Lawrence, I believe that was. Shout out to Lawrence if you're listening. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, the fundamentals keep going up. I What did Justin Moon say? Justin Moon said Bitcoin is correlated to one thing only. Winning. What did he say? I lost. I lost Marty. Marty pulled his. Um, I said Justin Moon said that Bitcoin is correlated to one thing only: winning. <laughs> so, like anything else that's correlated to winning seems correlated yeah. to Bitcoin. Bitcoiners are winners. Don't forget that, freaks. You're a winner if you're listening to this. Embrace it. Embrace it. Oh, that's a story that we don't have on the list. That? This one billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that the government oh, yeah, seized. Shit. I thought we did have it on the list. Did we? Did we skip over it? I don't it? think so. I said we had did it on I the list because I had it open it? in a tab. 
Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it too. Maybe I forgot to put it on the list. Anyway, uh, fourth largest address by Bitcoin Balance moved funds yesterday. And it was connected to the Silk Road and no one really knew what was going on except that they moved it to a uh, SegWit address, which was kind of promising <laughs> that they would adopt SegWit. Um, and it turns out that the DOJ seized that um the American, the U.S. Department of Justice had seized that balance, and I guess they were transferring it to their own wallet, which is kind of cool that the DOJ uses SegWit. Um, but uh, this is interesting because the only other transfer, so this this account appears to have stolen money from Silk Road in 2012, yes. and then in 2015 they sold about a hundred Bitcoin on BTCE which has subsequently been seized by the U.S. government. So maybe that deposit exposed the person who had hacked Silk Road. And then the U.S. government went to that person and was like, we know you hacked Silk Road. Give us this Bitcoin. And they gave them the Bitcoin. Yeah, pretty crazy. So I think the original hacker, they like brute forced the seed, correct? Or something like that? We don't know that. I think potentially... The reason, so so this wallet was making the rounds on the dark web, and it was a password protected wallet file. And I think maybe the hacker was trying to create some kind of plausible deniability that he just found it on the dark web and then brute forced it. Um, uh, but that but but that wasn't the case. I I I mean, first of all. The brute, the the wallet circulating was after the Silk Road ha- hack. So no matter what, Silk Road got hacked, funds stolen in a wallet, right? That wallet was getting circulated in an encrypted fashion on the dark web, saying if you brute force this password, you're gonna have a billion dollars. So it could just be, you know, the the original hacker trying to create some plausible deniability for himself. Yeah. How many Bitcoin is that right now? Like six thousand, sixty thousand. Are you doing the math no, for us? I'm not us? doing the math. I can't do that math. I've had way too many concussions. But um, well, I mean, you can use you can use a calculator, Marty. I don't have my cold card on me. Um, whatever. The point I'm trying to get is: is do you think? Well, not whatever. Do you think let's, the Department of Justice is going to? Um, so yeah, sixty nine thousand three hundred sixty six thousand. What I'm seeing sixty nine thousand three hundred seventy. Perfect. Yep, that's the correct amount. Bitcoin's been pumping. I did it at fifteen thousand yeah. dollars of Bitcoin. Um, yeah, sixty-nine thousand three hundred seventy Bitcoin are in the hands of the Department of Justice now. Do they auction it off? Yes, they've been auctioning it off. One of the interesting things that we didn't cover in uh, the 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 crypto framework released by uh, our Attorney General Anthony Barr. Uh, is is that they're not auctioning off privacy coins. Like, they've seized Monero. They don't auction off Monero, but they auction off Bitcoin, which is just an interesting um, difference. I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind. But, yeah, they're going to auction this off, and someone will buy it eventually. I, I, do, I do think one of the things that's interesting here is, like, this is how you seize Bitcoin, right? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Bitcoin bulls there are. And I understand that Bitcoin is seizure resistant. Um, but the government goes to you, they go, we know you owe this fucking address. 
like sign this document and transfer the fucking Bitcoin to us. And they're calling him individual X. We don't know who it is. Individual X fucking did it. <laughs> There's like a, a billion dollars of the Bitcoin. Why you got a coin join um, freaks? Yeah. I mean like, and, and look, he used BTCE, which was no KYC. So he probably didn't think that he could dox himself there. And I, my guess is he used the same account for doxable funds. And they, they figured it out from having BTCE. Do BTCE have a fiat rail? Like, could you sell? Yeah. yeah. It, through Russia. It had a Russian, like, black market fiat rail. That's probably where they got them. But they also had, it was just a good place to, like, switch into alts. So he could have switched into alts. But if he had transferred other Bitcoin to that same BTCE account that was tied to his real identity, then they could figure it out, right? They're like the the most dangerous things happen when people don't realize uh, they they don't realize that it's a honeypot situation. Well, a great example of a, somebody making taking action years ago and that coming back to bite them in the ass when maybe they weren't expecting. Right, twenty fifteen, yeah. five years ago, five years ago, he made the mistake. It took five years for the authorities to get their case together. And actually pull the trigger on seizing the fund. So be aware, freaks. Try and not to do any... 6102 made an interesting point. Um, are the funds... Are the funds criminal funds if they were hacked from the criminal? I guess, like, the, the hacking is the crime. Yeah. And is the... Like, are they still Silk Road funds if the guy, like, them. took them from Silk Road, and right? And then, like, is the exchange of ownership from the hacker to the DOJ an admission of guilt? Yeah, I mean, he he definitely, like, legit signed an admission of guilt for whatever it's worth. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is why hodling is, is the best strategy, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Send it to cold storage. Don't do anything weird. Well, I mean, this guy hodled, but I mean, he's he's a special case. I mean, he stole well, fucking he Bitcoin. He didn't hodle that Bitcoin on BTCE that got him caught. Right, 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 right. If he if he didn't if he didn't sell that in twenty and it was twenty fifteen too, he motherfucker sold it for like two hundred dollars of Bitcoin. <laughs> right. What was that twenty grand worth it? Oof, he lost a billion dollars because he decided to sell 20 grand <laughs> at $200. Hate to fucking see it. Ooh. I hate to see it. Ooh. I think I'd rather be Laszlo. I def Well, I mean, I'd definitely rather be Laszlo. I won't blow up Laszlo's spot, but he's not doing bad. I think Laszlo's doing okay. Laszlo, if you're out there listening to this, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, we never do that bullshit with the pizza shaming you or anything every time pizza no, day comes around. No, somebody tries to shame you for bringing up the pizza, I bring up the fact that you wrote the first implementation of Bitcoin exactly. Core for Mac OS. Thank you for that. And he was one of the first pool miners. Yeah. One of the first GPU miners, too, Dude. I believe. Yeah, he's doing all right. Shout out to Laszlo. I didn't know this was going to end on a shout out to Laszlo, but... A true Bitcoiner. Up. Oh. 51... 15160. We're pumping. Let's go. Um, another thing that happened since we last met, I probably touched it in the last week, but since it's past uh, 12th anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper, happened uh, last Saturday. Oh, yeah, cheers. To that. Yeah, 12, officially 12 years since Bitcoin was introduced to the world publicly. 
Marty, next episode, um, $16,000 Bitcoin. Ooh. Are we going to hit it or no? Why not seventeen? <laughs> okay, Marty's on the record. Um, $17,000. By the way, we should mention it, Freaks. We have gotten some feedback on the... Um, on the giveaway for the block clock mini, Matt and I still have to figure out what the best course of action is. What was our feedback? People have hopped in DMs talking about like uh, sweepstakes or stuff that they run. Maybe we should just do like one large rocks paper shoot tournament over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's bad for privacy. That's true. Uh, I think that would be cool though. That would be funny. It's that old-fashioned. Yeah, I mean, we'll figure. We'll figure. Rocks, something paper, scissors, shoot, bracket, tourney, best two out of three, championship, best <laughs> three out of five. I think that could be cool. I I, I like. Uh, we could just we could do like reoccurring price. Uh, like who's closest to the price? Yes. At the at the time of the next episode or something yeah, like that. We could do that as well. All right, we'll think about it. We'll have an actual plan. We could tourney it, too, if we wanted to. We could what? We can make it a tourney. Yeah, we could. Um, we'll have more more on that next week. You got anything? To- I kind of like the idea of making it a tourney. We could have, like, a full draft board and yeah. shit. No, I like that, too. We could have, like... Like, every week, it's just, like, you go head-to-head with a different freak. Betting. No, 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 no. You just... We'll just do it centralized. It doesn't matter. We'll be like the price currently. The current price is this, and then we go through the head to heads, and we're like, this person predicted this, you know. Oh no, I agree with that. But like then secondary markets and like the freaks can go in atomic finance and make oh, bets yeah. about who wins the the bet, you know. Yeah, they could use DLCs to make side yeah. bets. I like this. I like where this is going. We're getting creative here. Thank you, freaks, for listening. Again, sorry for the technical difficulties a couple times throughout this episode working on it going to make sure everything when do you come when do you come back to the mainland maybe never maybe never coming back i don't know <laughs> okay so we got to work through the technical difficulties maybe a, a lower bandwidth option or the other thing is i'm assuming you're going through the rental house's wi-fi right Sometimes the cell internet in your those places are better. So for the streams, you you switch to hotspot mode. Yeah, on your it phone. is. Unfortunately, my uh, my mobile phone carrier does not get coverage where I am. I I have to borrow one of my roommates' phones oh. to do it. But it is better. Well, I appreciate you not doxing your mobile phone carrier uh, on the podcast, considering the sim swapping that happens in this industry. Got to be on your toes at all all points. Um, freaks, love you guys. I was on um. Kayvon's podcast earlier today um, with Zaya from Iran, Iran, excuse mm-hmm. me, I get, it's not Iran, it's Iran. Um, Persia. Shout out to the Iranian freaks out there. I didn't know that we had uh, people listening to us in our Iran and just, it was very humbling <laughs> and flattering to learn from Zaya earlier this morning that there's people listening to our podcast in Iran and uh, keep fighting a good fight. All you Iranian Bitcoiners, you guys are doing some incredible stuff. We appreciate you, you yeah. freaks, tremendously. And also, shout out to our Australian freaks who sent in the uh, shout out this week. Hope you guys enjoy your conference. 
If you guys are liking this podcast, please smash that subscribe button. Give us a rate. Give us a review. And whoever's complaining about the the uh, the sound levels, hey, I've I've turned them up. I've turned them down. I get I get a lot of feedback on the sound. I thought we were in a good space. I'm sorry if you're working in a loud environment. You can't hear the podcast. Put some goddamn earphones in, okay? Well, we have I, I we have a new setup on my side at least, so hopefully that helped. Um, yeah, I think you want to end it on Matthew. Stay humble, stack sets. Love, freaks. <laughs>